1: Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm Director of Ministry Relations for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, you guys know this. Y'all know this. Life is a journey. It's an amazing adventure, but if I had to compare it compare life to a road it wouldn't be a straight smooth or easy road to travel wouldn't be a long straight highway either it would have bumps and twists and turns many without any warning the good news is we don't have to ride that crazy road alone well our guest today is someone who has shared about the bumps and twists and turns in his own life in his new book So we're going to talk to him about it, and here to get us started and to introduce our guest for the day is my good friend, my co-host of Good News for
2: the City, Pastor Brian Bales. Dude! Good to see you. Thank you. You know, we've been doing this enough together that you know that when you say certain things, you just start music playing in my head. I am completely and totally singing Life is a Highway by Tom Cochran in my you head know, now. you I thought about that, but man. Our, our show can't afford yeah. the royalties, so we're just going <laughs> to move on from that. Uh, I'm excited uh, anytime we have a chance to talk to someone where the good news of the gospel has been transformative
1: Amen. in their life, Amen. but
2: even more so than that, when the good news of the gospel not only transforms their life, but then... God asked them to do something uh that uh, wouldn't have probably been on the beginning to-do list. Uh the outside of their comfort zone. And in many ways that's the story of the person that we have today uh in studio with us. We have Ed Mellick. He's an author, radio and prod, uh, podcast producer and host. He is joining us today to talk about his new book. It's called Monumental Hug. Divorce, cancer, grace and healing ed thanks for coming in thanks for being a part today
3: thanks for having me
2: yeah you know what i love a good title and i love a title that gives me an idea a little bit about what i'm going to read Amen. Uh, and so when you read a title like this uh divorce cancer grace and healing i'm guessing that those four words probably come up in your story a little bit and, and it does it focuses on god's abil- ability to heal in so many ways in areas that we might think are even beyond repair so for those who are listening in uh, right now, uh, live or on the podcast maybe later on, why don't you share some of uh, that story with us and, and we'll get to, into some more after that. So
3: I was married for 22 and a half years and things were not going so well at the end of the marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and okay. I knew it, but we're in denial. Yeah. We, we don't believe divorce will ever happen to us. Sure. Mm-hmm. And um, about seven months before uh, the divorce occurred, I was told I was she was gonna leave me. I went to my first men's retreat I had never been to a men's retreat before. Okay, I didn't want to bother with the time or the money or bunking with another guy. Yeah, the (laughs) snoring
2: is always very difficult at men's retreat. (laughs) I don't like that. I'm with you there.
3: Didn't want it. And my reward for doing it is is uh, there's a pastor named Paul Tripp who uses a term called the redemptive violence of grace. Yes. Mm, I love that term. He takes you to a place you'd never go on your own in order to bring about change that can only happen there. So I go to the retreat, and the first thing that happens is they show a video, a Rob Bell video called Flame. And he talks about the different words that are translated to love in the song of Solomon. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going through the list. Like, I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that. And I left the room and I wept and I realized how bad my marriage was still didn't think I was getting divorced. So why is this important? I go home. I hug my wife. She stood there very, very cold with her arms crossed. Mm. Mm. And you know, she says, you're only doing this. You went to a retreat. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm doing it. And for seven months, this is really key, I I prayed every day. I said, God, profoundly change me, Mm. change the way I think, speak, think, feel, react, taste, touch, everything about me. And I said, give me the wisdom of Jesus Christ give me agape love, Yeah. give me a faith that's neck snapping. When I go by people, their necks just turn, and they're like, who was that? Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I prayed and prayed like that, and then seven months later, she dropped the bomb on me and said she was leaving. Wow. And if you're a non-Christian or maybe a a, a new believer, you'd think, well, some good those prayers did. Sure. Again, Paul tripped the redemptive violence of grace. He was taking me somewhere I needed to go to bring about change in me. And the bottom line is, within the first couple of days, uh I I I just had some revelations from God that I no tit for tat. Sure. Be the person through which God would love her more than anyone else. Mhm. Extend grace no matter what. And she was very again dismissive about that. Here's my here's my lawyer's number. Just call my lawyer. And we were living together for 3 weeks, but this story leads into the title of the book which is about 3 weeks into the 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 whole being informed and realizing I was getting divorced. We were living together, having dinner yeah. together. She would say things at the dinner table that would blow my mind. Like, it's a good thing you had your best consulting year last year because I'll get more money. Sure. Wow. And I'm like, wow, wow. you start to wow. see my people. Well, you know, again, I don't want to harp on her because I was a mess. Sure. And so at one point, she took me to court on a Friday and just destroyed me. I had all my accounts were frozen. I had no sure. income. And the judge said, you know, 4100 a month. Yeah. And I left the hearing and I was just, how am I going to do this? And that night, she had a packing gathering at the house. I laid on my parents' floor of their condo all night, and I went home that morning, and I said to her, I'm going to help you move. I don't like what happened, but I'm going to help you move. I told you I was going to lay down my life for you, I'm going to help you move. Sure. She was shocked. For 10 hours, I helped her move. I tipped the movers, wow. and I'm standing in her new apartment. This is very rare in a divorce. Usually, someone leaves. You don't know where they went. Sure. They don't give you the address. I went and said goodbye to my daughter. I can't remember it to this day. And then I went into her room, and I looked at her, and this is the first time God spoke through me in my life. I said, I love you, and I'm proud of you. Mm. And I was like, my human side was like, I wanted to say, you're ruining, look at what you're doing to our family. You're ruining our lives. And she was shocked, and I went up, and I hugged her, and I kissed her on her forehead, and I left. Yeah. And I went home, cleaned the whole house. The next morning's Mother's Day, she calls me at 4 o'clock, again, highly unusual. And she starts telling me how difficult everything had been for her and our daughter and after about 10 minutes and, and for once I listened sure which I wasn't good at up to that point and I listened and listened, and finally she says look we don't have any food in the house do you think you could bring us a pizza and when I tell this to, especially to men in the world they get viscerally mad and that's ungrace yeah and I was so happy I said I'd be glad to bring in and she tried to back off I get her a pizza I go over her place we have dinner as a family The day after she moved out with our daughter and killed me in court two days before. And when I got up to leave, there's no script on this. And I walked towards the door and she shuffled up to me and she hugged me and thanked me. And at that point, I was a Christian for 20 years and I didn't really get the gospel. Mm. And at that moment, I understood exactly what Jesus did. This was my enemy and I had served her just by helping her move. And bringing a pizza, and she's thanking me and hugging me, and all the meanness I had done for years had led me to financial ruin and divorce, and I walked out the door, and it closed behind me, and I said, I'm in, God. Grace,
2: I'm all in for the rest of my life, and that was 12 Amen. years ago. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I, Amen. I, there's so much. Man, there's so much in that story that's just an amazing example of grace. I got Holy and, Ghost bumps, by yeah, the way. it was some good <laughs> stuff, and, and one, one of the things I think that happens on occasion, whether even we intentionally know we're doing this or not, is that... We do what God asks us to do, and without even trying, we kind of have this sort of under-the-table idea that if I do this, like God asks, I am then going to get blessed. Yes, yes. Sometimes we don't yeah, even know it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. we don't know it until all of a sudden we don't get what we maybe thought. And there's all kinds of range of emotions that happen in that when you think about that time in your life, when you think what God was calling you in to do, and you think about the word restoration mm-hmm. right a lot of these stories uh, that people have, and unfortunately because we live in a broken world because you know the very uh, sin that Jesus came to save us from is the one that still tempts us, the one that that we still choose too often than we need to. Um, well, a lot of these stories are focused around restoration, mm-hmm. and, and there's some some stories that we could go into that we don't have time to do that today. But how about you? Was was restoration was that always a belief or even a desire for you as you're walking through this process?
3: Oh, absolutely. And I, I know I took my daughter out about in, in the first week of after being informed that Diane was leaving. Um, I took her out to a dinner, and I just, I, was, I actually cursed. I said I I really screwed up. Mm-hmm. I'll use that word. And I said, I'm going to show you from this moment on what a Christian man, a follower of Christ, does. And I, I was deeply, deeply sad. There were times I, I coined a term called deep tears where, yeah. you're, where you're crying so deeply you can't imagine stopping crying. Yes. But you do. Yeah. yeah. And I had some shame and all, but I had this desire to, to right what was wrong. And I made up my mind whenever I had a chance to be with her or do something with her or serve her, I was going to do it. And if you've seen Fireproof. That movie is, I'm fireproof times a thousand, but but I don't have the Hollywood ending, but actually it's more powerful, and we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But I wanted to restore the relationship, and I worked for that, and I started caring for her. And you know, I never called her your mother to my daughter, it Mm -hmm. was always mom. We prayed about her every night, she would stay with me on Saturday nights. My daughter said to her, she said, well, I'll have you one weekend, dad will have you the next, and she says, no, I want to go to church with dad every Saturday night, and rest in Bible. I was like, ugh what a great daughter and we would pray every night and i would pray for Diane with compassion not like oh help correct her god cuz she's wrong no it was bless her she's in school she's working she's trying god bless her and give her peace give her rest so so there were all these different emotions but there was a strong desire to restore and to and to to get it right to say god I was really messed up. You can be a Christian and really screw up. Sure, seeing a sure. lot of this. Yes, and yeah. and God's got each one of us in His hand. He's got a timeline, and we got to trust with other people. He's got that, and we need to focus on us and extend
2: grace to them. That's one of the many big lessons I learned through all this. And and we could stop right there at the story and go, man, that is powerful. Uh, but lots of times in life, that's not where a story stops. In fact, you, you have sort of an additional twist. There's a, a statement that a friend of mine would make that everyone's dive is difficult. Some people just have a little more difficult degrees on the dive. You you add a twist and a turn in those sort of things in this story because uh, now uh, your wife uh, uh, and your former wife – then had a battle with cancer, right? Yep. Uh, And you chose to walk her through this as well. Talk about that. Well, let me. I'm going to back up just a little bit. What what I started to do
3: was every time I had a chance to serve her, I would do it. And God would give me these little tastes, little glimpses of you're doing the right thing, and here's reinforcement. Mm -hmm. And I decided then I was going to extend that to my parents. My mom was a very, very difficult woman. And I just started loving her and, and, and no matter what, I would, I would call her when we'd have a fight and apologize that night and she'd break down crying and thank you so much for calling me. And I just started seeing more and more glimpse of the realness the power, the practicality, and the beauty of God's grace. Mm -hmm. This is not a game. We have incredible power, and most of us as Christians are just, I was just walking through self-righteous and whatever. I didn't get the power that we had. And Paul writes about that. He says, I pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, set him in a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Well, it just started affecting my community, my neighborhood, my work. People started calling me from around the country. Oh, I've heard about you, and my, my wife had an affair, and my husband left me. And I'm like, ah, oh, I got the answer, but you're not going to necessarily like it. Some people would listen and call me back later and be like, I I can't wait to tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't. Yes. But what happened yeah. is it took seven years for Diane to say, I love you. She was a bit of a – I'll call her a keeper. I won't use the H word. Yeah. She kept a lot of stuff. It was, it was a problem in our marriage, all the stuff all around I moved her and no one else showed up and helped her and oh my god at the end of the move she was so thankful and she started saying I love you and and this is 7 years into the divorce not 40 days or something and so at that point to me we were husband and wife whether she knew it accepted it realized it or not we we were husband and wife we were living a half hour apart and a year after that move, she got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, mm. which is really mm. deadly. Yes. And for 21 months, as a matter of fact, three months into the illness, she called me one day and she said, Ed, um, I got to give some information for long-term disability to an insurance company. Can you list, I know you keep this in Outlook, can you list all your appointments, all the appointments I've been to? I had taken her to almost every single appointment. It was like 38 out of 42 appointments. The only time I didn't go was like maybe just her giving blood before an appointment. And some of these were all day long, driving up to Hopkins in Baltimore and coming back down, you know, 12-hour days. And I didn't even bat an eye and and just the closeness. We actually lived together for five months out of her last 14 months. And it's just, I I guess I want to tell listeners, it ain't easy. It's not a walk in the park. There are incredibly difficult moments, but the joy, the glorious, inexpressible joy – and, and you know, when Peter and John healed the beggar and they were jailed and they they were released, the council says, you know, don't talk about Jesus anymore and we'll let you go. And they stood up and they said, we cannot help but tell about the wonderful things we've seen and heard. Yeah. That's my life. And it should be every believer's life. And this is what I, I I wrote a book. I wrote two books. I brought the second one with me. Yeah. I'm unstoppable now, and it's such a cool life. It's it's people, even when I feel like I'm down, there's this inexpressible joy that people can see.
2: I think we can read sections of Scripture and lots of times kind of think, oh, that works for other people. Uh, that worked for Paul, worked for Paul, right? And uh, one of the classics, Romans chapter 8, uh, we're going through a difficult time in life, whatever it may be, and someone comes by and they, they quote for us, Romans chapter 8, and we know that God works all things together for good, for for those who are called, and they have the whole thing. Lots of times, my experience, I don't know if your experience is the same, Ed, I kind of feel like they kind of Bible bomb that. Like they, mm-hmm. they don't want to dig in with life with what's going on. They just kind of want to go by sort of at 30,000 feet, drop a Bible verse, and then go off and do their thing. Yep. Um, but even if the delivery mechanism – of that verse is not necessarily so great when we hear it. The truth behind it mm-hmm. is still very real and very powerful. And and part of what <laughs> you're sharing is even in the midst of what you said, hey, very honestly, I, there's a whole lot of things that I should have done different. I, I'm not uh, innocent in this, even all through the difficulty of divorce and that sort of, that God in some ways, uh, it's it's, a, it's what I call the verse sometimes, that makes some pretty good lemonade yeah. out, of, out of a lot of lemons yes. that we can bring in a situation. Um, for people who are listening to this story, they they find it. Oh, I don't know that that sounds crazy. That that can never work. What are some things that you uh, uh, that you've already talked about? Grace, obviously, that you feel like that God was really showing you in this situation. Uh, that before, maybe maybe you knew intellectually, but maybe weren't living from. I guess
3: uh, so much to tell. Yeah, I, I think where I start off into the book, I have a section of, on insights, things that I learned. Mm-hmm. One of them is you know the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked that's me it's not me talking about you guys, just yeah. it's me, and the very definition of deceit is we don't know we're deceived, yes, and so I had to yes. press in there were times i I would thirty or sixty days every morning say, "God, show me pa- Paul good night at rest in Bible, oh what an amazing pastor." He said to me two things in the early part of this separation. He said, ask God to show you what he wants you to see about you and stop picking on her. Yes. And then number two was ask him to help him. You see her through his graceful, forgiving eyes. Those two things changed everything because I started following that and pressing in on God and I just and, and and just the basics the stuff the unglamorous hard work of praying every day and getting in the word and if you do it with the right humble spirit it becomes easy it becomes something you desire and you rejoice in and and so that's the thing it's we have to start looking at ourselves first and then say I'm going to look at this person with graceful eyes when Diane and I when she got sick I had radically different opinions uh, as to what she should do in her treatment than she did She was very focused on conventional medicine. I was very much into alternative medicine. This was not picking paint colors or picking a car. This was life and death. Yeah. Yet I learned, this is grace, I learned how to say to her, Diane, I have something I want to share with you because I love you. And I I have a sense you're not going to agree, and you can throw it out the window. But I have to say it because I love you. And I would tell her, and she typically would throw it out the window, and, and that's okay. And I would go back to loving her and serving her. Mm. And that's the thing we're not really good at. We, we want to tell somebody something and we think it's all, it's all idolatry. We think we're
2: God. Yeah. We attach conditions to our love lots of times, right? Uh, if we do something and we do it in a loving manner and someone rejects it, we're like, well, I'm, well, you didn't, you didn't accept me when you got rid of that instead of saying, what did Jesus ask us to do? We just did a show last weekend around this idea of thanksgiving mm-hmm. and one of the ways that we talked about when God puts us in difficult family situations or those sort of things, to, to be thankful and to think is to think through the way God views them, right? To think through the way that God cares about them. And I, that's what's reminding me of that when you were just saying, listen, you know, see with God's eyes in those ways. And, and you now say that your focus of your life, your work is to make sure that no one misses out on this, Yep. Uh, this, this grace of God. Break that down.
3: One of the things I want to say is grace, we have all heard this short definition, unmerited, unearned favor of God. You have to add unwavering. I, I had a roommate who watched me, popcorn and soda. He was my roommate for the first five years of the divorce. And one day he was just learning about grace, learning from me. And one day he came into the office and he says, oh, my wife did something last night and I extended grace. And, and then she didn't respond the way I wanted and, and I just gave up. And I'm like, well, that's not grace because mm. you quit. Yeah. Jesus didn't hang on the cross and say, I'm not dying for you over there. And you, you've you got till five on Friday. No, he died for everyone. And we have our lifetimes. So grace is unwavering. Uh, it, it's this supernatural thing that saves us. God saved you by his grace when you believed. I, I can't explain that. But what an amazing thing that is. But at the most practical level, I had Mike Minter on my radio program recently, and I asked him to define grace, and he says it's the divine power that enables you to live the Christian life, the impossible life. Our lives should be radical. They should be neck snapping. People should look at us and say, it doesn't make any sense, and we point them to God through that. And that's what I want people to know. And, and just this, it's, it's just the realness and the power, the superpower and the practicality of grace is simply unbelievable. And I I guess one of the things I want to challenge people in is that, you know, in the program called Grace in 30 that we do, we we come have people tell grace stories. And there are certain threads that appear over and over and over. And the whole notion of love your enemy, uh, getting close to those who are different than you, listening, um, forgiveness. These are core things that come up over and over. Diane was my enemy. I chose to get close to her as much as I could to earn her love and, and respect back. I finally started listening to her, and I forgave her, whether she forgave me or not. There are certain things she never confessed to or whatever. It's okay. I, we, we were husband. Oh, my God. At the end of her life, I would tuck her in bed. One night, she raised her arms up. I had all her chucks around her head in case she threw up, and her humidifier and her lip balm. She was very meticulous and she just raised her arms and said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And hugged me. Oh my God. Why are we, why are we fighting each other like this? We need to sacrificially stop being so selfish And judgmental and lay our lives down in particular for our enemies. And if we have time, I want to issue
2: a challenge at the end of it. Well, you know what? Why don't, why don't we just go right there in the last two minutes or so? Uh, challenge them and also for someone, encourage them who may be listening right now and they're, they're not at the end of their story, right? They're still at the no response part of their story. They're uh, whatever it might be. And their story may not end the way that your Mm -hmm. story did, but challenge them, encourage them.
3: Well, it, I'll say it will pass. People say that to you and you don't believe it, but it will come to pass. And you just got to say to yourself, I'm going to make the most of it. Don't waste the pain. And, and our God is real. His, his grace is just amazing, as the song says. And if you just surrender and trust in the process, things will work out in an amazing way. The, the challenge I want to issue is this. 65% of our country now is, identifies as Christian and and what did Jesus command? The greatest command was to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor equally important. And he defined our neighbor as our enemies, people that are despised, the despised Samaritan. I think God has put on my heart. I've learned the importance and the realness and the power of loving enemies. And we're coming into we're in the election year now. We're mm-hmm. less than a year away from the election, and and just extremism is it's off the charts. And I want to challenge Christians to say, if you, whether you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, pick someone on the opposite side. If you're if you're a Democrat Pelosi fan, pick Donald Trump. If you're the opposite, pick Pelosi. Start really praying for these people this year every day. And I have another exercise I give people all the time, and it's called the most toxic person exercise. Who in your life is just bugging you? You're avoiding them at work. It's a family member you don't talk to. I challenge you, and I guarantee the results will be shocking. That if you start laying your life down for that person without wavering and without requiring them to thank you the right way or behave the right way, or right, just keep going. The change, what that does and the power of that, not just for the two of you, but for the people around you, is
2: unbelievable. I, I feel challenged. I don't know you've been doing but I, I feel challenged. And I do encourage you, Ed, this, thanks for being in studio with us today. And do encourage you, you can pick up your book, Monumental Hug. Divorce, cancer, grace, and healing, that story uh, available on Amazon or where can they pick it
3: Amazon up? Amazon ebook and uh paperback on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And I also have a great uh website, edmellick.com, E D M E L I C K dot com.
2: Yeah.
3: Edmellick.com, you heard it. Let me say it one more time. Monumental hug.
1: Divorce, cancer, grace, and healing. I didn't say a lot today, man, because I I was just enthralled. I just wanted to hear you, brother. Thank you. Because I'm thinking you've done things I've always Divorce folks, for just very quickly. Divorce folks, I'm like, they had to love one another. At one point, oh, they had yes. to love one another. Why they hate each other so much, right? Yep. Let me say it again. Monumental hug, divorce, cancer, grace, and healing. God bless you, folks. Thank you for being here. Hey, go to goodnewsforthecity.com if you want to hear this again, wava.com. Keyword good news. Look under our podcast. Or you can call me in person, Dennis Williams, here at the station, here at WAVA, 703-807-2266. Thank you, folks, for joining us today. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's
0: the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership. Movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.